With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point, Edmund, right to go, Kudrop. Score! Patrick Kucherov! We're going to hear some Nikita Kucherov scoring tomorrow. That's right. Game three, Eastern Conference Finals. 2015, Rangers and Lightning, if you remember that game. I know you do because you love the Lightning. That's why you're listening to the show. Kucherov in overtime. Down the Rangers 6-5, go up 2-1. You can listen to all of the playoff wins back in 2015 right here on Lightning Power Play and 95.3 WDA. Look forward to that. I'll be speaking to Eric Rollinson and uh, Phil Esposito for that broadcast. But today, E, we've got uh, a lively show planned. Kyle Bukaskis from Sportsnet will join us at 12.15. He's very active on Twitter, and he's a pretty funny guy. Has great hair as well. <laughs> yeah, one, one of the few, few men who probably have great hair during this because uh, <laughs> as we talk with Brian Burns on Good Friday, point. the uh, the mop that is growing on his head, uh, I'm probably about four weeks past due for a haircut. And, um, you know, I, the, the easiest thing to say is uh, let my wife cut my hair, but uh, I don't know how comfortable I would yeah. necessarily be with that situation because Just buzz uh, it. I can tell you. Just buzz it, buddy. Just buzz it. That's let the it easiest yeah, thing I, to do. And it really is. Like I have any feel camera good. appearances coming up. No, that's true. That's true. Well, well I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to drop down to that level, though, Greg. I mean, I know you speak from personal experience. Wow, is that an area? I don't want to go that far down. <laughs> that level, boy, is well, that just see, judgments? I'm Come so much on. older than you, and the fact well, that's that I true. can still have this—that's true. See that nice little passive-aggressive way of that is a very trying to make you feel better about me ripping on you. No doubt, you're like those people who are are <laughs> putting your picture of your high school senior yearbook on no. Facebook to let the, the class of 2020 know how much they mean to you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, that's no, that's fun and games. That's not me. And I'm not putting a picture ah, no, of me back me. with my mullet and feathered haircut. Did you have a mullet? Public to see. I, did I you have did. a mullet? I, it was the, really? it was the hairstyle of the eighties. That's so. true. You were a big eighties guy. Has that. Yeah. That's when I grew up, right? That's my yeah. era. I don't blame you. It's the era of MTV and yeah. Pat Benatar and karate kid. So yeah, it's a pretty good era. It's a pretty good, it, uh, pretty good decade. I think the '90s was a bit better, but that's just me because that's <laughs> where I well, came from. <laughs> the the biggest, it was, it was still pretty good. The biggest drawback of the '80s was parachute pants. Uh-huh. And yes, I I did have a pair of parachute pants that um, wow I did own. Uh, Do you still have them? No, those are long, long, long gone. From the wardrobe. Um, it's amazing. And, and I'm quite certain they wouldn't fit anymore anyway. Well, that's all right. No worries. <laughs> it, was a gr- it was a great decade, though. It was a great decade. I had a, um, you know, it's funny. We're talking about things to uh, kill the time. And we have some interesting news coming out of Wayne Gretzky's camp. And when I say Wayne Gretzky's camp, it's Wayne Gretzky. But, you know, we talk Which about things to still a very cool do. camp to be in. It is. It is. Uh, it's hard to believe how many teams he played for, too considering yeah. that many believe he is the greatest hockey player of all time. I think that's debatable, but um, it's it's hard to argue the numbers for sure. But he had some interesting things to say. You know, I haven't been able to watch a ton of TV for obvious reasons. Some people have, and 
kudos to you. But I did find myself watching, uh, and it was sports-related, because you and I had this conversation, I think it was last week, because we saw some countries reopen with their sports leagues. We saw some soccer, some baseball being played in different countries. And you know, I told you about soccer. I'm just not a huge soccer fan. If they were playing in my backyard, I, I probably wouldn't watch. But I did find myself watching the um, ESPN Michael Jordan The Last Dance documentary. It's on the Chicago Bulls and kind of his progression as a player, but it was really fascinating behind the scenes. I find myself gravitating towards that E more so than, you know, a league playing right now overseas that I just don't have any interest in. Yeah, those behind-the-scenes stuff are, are really cool. I, I will admit I, I did not watch it. Uh, I certainly saw plenty of it uh, jump up in my in my timeline. Um, it's more of a Celtics fan, Celtics fan in the '80s, Larry Bird. But um, yeah, I mean, those are really cool, though, it, to get that kind of, especially for Michael They're Jordan. Well and then, and yeah. then you start to read, you know, that both the NBA and Adam Silver is the one who negotiated this. Now the commissioner uh, of the NBA negotiated with Michael Jordan that neither would allow the footage to be seen until both agreed upon it. And uh, this is oh, certainly wow. a time that um, people are going to be paying attention to it, and there's no doubt. And, you know, based on what I saw come up on my Twitter timeline last night, there were certainly a lot of people watching it. But, you know, kind of it's like the inside the lightning stuff sometimes, just the behind-the-scenes stuff that you get to yeah. see that, you know, you it's not part of the normal broadcast. And the stories that come up, especially with somebody so iconic as Michael Jordan and what he went through and – uh, and I guess some of the controversies uh, surrounding uh, his days, um, especially I guess the early days is what was on the documentary last night. But, yeah, those documentaries are really cool. I I'm actually kind of getting into some documentaries, but they're not sports really. They're, they're some off-the-wall type stuff that I'm just curious and just to see how outlandish uh, some conspiracy theories can be. But th those are the type of things that are interesting me right now as well. Well, you know, it's interesting, and you bring up a good point about the behind-the-scenes with players. I think that's one of the reasons why so many people were interested about what Yanni Gord had to say on our show last week. Also, to Ryan Callahan, who we've had on. We're efforting to get another player on this week, which will be a lot of fun if we can do that. But I think we talked about this last week, E, and I think you brought up the point about the social media aspect of things with these players. You're, you're getting a chance to see them a bit with their guard down, and I think that's a good thing. You know, we talk about some of the positives they are going to come from the coronavirus and the lockdown that everybody's been enduring over the last couple of months. I think it's forcing people to find creative ways to be engaging, whether it's talk shows, whether it's writing. And I think whether it's the players who have to reinvent themselves a bit more, because if we're talking about fans not being able to go to games and experience that and cheering on their favorite teams when everybody comes back and plays, I think the players have to find a way to reconnect with the fan base. And I think we're starting to see that on a very um, first-level basis right now. I think there's um, a higher level that these guys can get to if they choose to do it. And I think letting people in, assuming it's courtesy and or courteous and, and everybody's engaging and, and acting appropriately, I think this has has an opportunity to be a, a really good opportunity for the league to promote the game. And as you've always said, the players are the ones that are the selling points to get to know them a bit better. They really are. And let's bring up the NBA since we're talking about Michael Jordan's uh, last dance documentary that's airing. What is, what's the one really, really good thing that the NBA does when it comes to marketing? It puts its players out there. You get to know the personalities of the players. Um, you know, it, I, the Athletic had this 
mock draft if they could steal elements of other league sports to put into their own sport. They had um, Sean McIndoe was the guy for hockey, and um, Jason Stark was the guy for baseball. So they had this and, and picked from other sports to make the sport that they cover better. And one of them was getting the personalities of the players out there because that's what the NBA does so well. And it's something that I don't think the NHL does enough of because a lot of it is the culture of the sport. You know, you don't put the individual above the team, and there are certainly some elements to that. And, and, and you know, we talk about P.K. Subban and that when the trade from Montreal to Nashville, some of the thought process behind that trade initially was because P.K. was too big of a personality and he, and he put himself out there too much. And I don't think I don't think that should be the case at all. I think P.K. Subban is a great person to put out there. He's got a tremendous personality. You're seeing it now, you know, with these trivias that he's doing with the league that they're showing. Um, you know, so I, I think that that is one element that, the league and the players can get together on and find more ways to do is to let their personalities be known more, get to know them more as people and not just hockey players, make them more relatable to fans. And there's going to be so many issues, so many questions about when the league comes back, if it's much different than what we know it as. And certainly in the short term, it's going to be that way. How do you re-engage the fan base other than just playing the games? And how do you find a way to monetize it in some ways? Because if you're not getting fans in the stands, you've got to find a way to bring people in and, and um, uh, you know, f- take advantage of their interest. And how can you get them to help bring in some revenue? That's going to be a big question when we get on the other side of this. I think finding ways to engage fans with the players, I think, is a great way to explore down that path because we're seeing so many great personalities come out. I mean, like Johnny Gord talked about on, on Friday with us about he's all of a sudden become a handyman and his wife is now challenging him with different things. So he's found out something about himself and we found out something about him. And I think that's great to relate to the fans with. Do you think social media now eliminates that one-on-one interview where you can kind of do a long piece on a, on a player who opens up a bit more? Do you think now we go straight to social media with Twitter to get those stories, E? And I'm curious how you feel about that transition possibly taking place. No, I don't think it eliminates it at all. Uh, I, I think it's a way for athletes and fans to directly interact in some ways. Some are certainly more active on their social media feeds. Another same thing with entertainers as a whole – but, but I, th- I still think the way there's there's still a lot of value in my mind to an athlete who trusts a media member, who, who knows them a little bit and knows how they work and operate, to be able to sit down and, and trust, um, you know, something where, you know, you could talk to a, a player for 30 minutes, you know, maybe after a practice, maybe even off to the side a little bit so it's not in a locker room situation where you get six, seven, eight people around at a time. I think there's a lot of value in being able to do that um, you know, as long as there's a trust and a balance between the two, you know, if, if the, you know, and I speak from my uh, standpoint because I was involved in it for so long, if I could have that opportunity, I remember doing it with Tyler Johnson when he went to the All-Star game, having an opportunity to hear more about his backstory, to hear more about what he overcame and, you know, the scouts who doubted him. And yeah, he absolutely had a chip on his shoulder. And then he, you know, he give me some names of some people who helped you along the way. And then you kind of call back and you, you flush that part of the story out. I think there is, is a ton of value in those type of stories, those type of elements to where you can talk to the player more direct that way. And social media is just a different avenue to kind of maybe 
bring a, a little bit of that personality out. But I think finding stuff like that from a media standpoint, I think there's a ton of value in being able to do that um, when when we do get back to having you know some sort of um, normalcy in sports and in this particular case, the NHL. Yeah, and speaking of that, getting back to normalcy, Wayne Gretzky on um, was quoted uh, yesterday, I believe he he said, and this was from Sportsnet. He says, "quote I really believe somehow, some way that the leadership in this country and in Canada that we're going to figure this out, and I really believe that we'll see hockey and some sort of other sports in June, July, and August, albeit in a different way. But I really see it coming to fruition. I think it's going to happen." He would later go on to say, "Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too optimistic. I think I'm not. I hope that." It's a good sign for everyone that we're moving on in life and business and sports. I really see in the next couple of months something good happening. And I think I said to you before the show, and I think we both probably agree, that I think when Wayne Gretzky speaks, there's a purpose. Now, that could just be his opinion, but you wonder if maybe he was tipped off a bit that this is what the league is trying to accomplish, that they're going to do everything they can to come back and play in some capacity. And, he, this does have a, a financial impact as well for the league in terms of wanting to get back as quickly as possible, too. Yeah, no doubt. And you would think that if uh, if we're going to classify that as Wayne Gretzky's opinion, and it is in a lot of ways, he even said that, maybe I'm wrong, I would like to classify it as probably an informed opinion. He's he's had to have had conversations with the league and, um, you know, I mean, just because of who he is and, and just, to, hey, what's going on? Because he's a big part. He's a big ambassador for the NHL. So I'm sure he's been privy to some of these conversations that we've sort of brought up in terms of neutral site games and, and that potential there and, you know, doing all that stuff because there is a huge financial uh, impact that we know. I mean, every business in America has been affected and around the world has been affected by this in, in so many different levels, and it's no different for the NHL. But in reading a story from Larry Brooks from the New York Post over the weekend, he he laid it out that if the entire 1920 season is, uh, is done and there's no more games to be played, there's no playoffs, whatever, it's about a billion-dollar loss for the NHL because we know the playoffs is the biggest time of year for the NHL, and losing that avenue uh, would be a huge hit. If they come back and they play games, and he mentioned that the 24 teams – playoff scenario is probably the most likely thing that I think the thought of finishing regular season games is probably uh, out the door on more than a few levels so if you start with the playoff situation where you have play-ins for some of these teams that were on the cusp or right on the verge of being in the top eight you kind of create it that way all of a sudden now maybe because of the ad revenue and everything else that you could bring in through television would be about 500 million. So you can see the significant difference between trying to play something and not playing anything at all. Now, all of this, of course, is under the caveat that they have to get the go-ahead from health officials. I know the league has epidemiologists and other uh, health officials on retainer that they can talk to, they can have advice with, they get advice from. So there's that's the first thing that has to happen. But when and if that comes then the next step is to find a way to make this work. And I think all these contingency plans are now being put out there with certain dates, not publicly, but with certain dates in mind that will have some sort of semblance of sports on our television screens this summer. And I think that includes the NHL. And I'm sure Wayne Gretzky is aware of that. He wouldn't just say because he knows the weight of his words. So he wouldn't just say stuff like that just kind of blindly and throw it out there. I think he has to have some understanding of what's at work behind the scenes. Yep. 
It's an informed opinion. I think it's a great way to put it. Kyle Bukoskis will get his opinion coming up next from Sportsnet. Get his thoughts on what he's doing right now with social distancing. When does he think the league will come back? And what will it look like when it does? He's Eric Erlinson. I am Greg Linelli. It is our Power Lunch right here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back. Greg Linelli, Eric Erlinson. Power Lunch continues here, talking all things sports, mainly hockey, but we get into some other things as well. And joining us right now, good friend of the program from Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada, Kyle Bukoskis joins us here on the show. Kyle, first off, bud, great to be with you. And um, how are you and the family? Is everybody doing okay during these crazy times? Yeah, Greg. So far, uh, so good. Um, we're here, my girlfriend and I, in, in Ottawa, and um, everything, all things considered, have been uh, more than okay, despite what's uh, what's going on. I mean, she's been able to to work from home. I'm trying to stay as as busy as I I can here as as the the weeks progress. But um, I mean, we've got a roof overhead. We've got food in our in our kitchen in our fridge. Um, and, and beyond that right now, I mean, there's not much else we could uh, really ask for. So we're just laying low as, as much as possible, as, as most people are, which is, is a good thing. And um, hopefully before too long, we'll at least start to be able to take steps to, to get back to normal and being able to, to see some, some other people in, in our lives that, uh, of course, matter most to us. Well, that's good. You have you haven't been hoarding any toilet paper like a lot of people out there have been. <laughs> no, no, we did not. Uh, we did not bite uh, at that phenomenon at, at any stretch there. So thankfully, we don't have uh, any extra closet space uh, taken up with all that going on. We stay away. Unlike the guy who hoarded 120 uh, different packages of it and thought he can get return value on his money. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, not going to happen. Uh, Kyle, I have to ask you this. Uh, following your Twitter feed, uh, you're still obviously very active on, on social media. Uh, have you and your girlfriend thought about putting out uh, exercise videos and uh, maybe finding a way to make that work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've well, we did, did the one there and, and kind of had some, some fun with it. But uh, I don't know. We, we've talked about maybe doing a follow-up, but, but we're not sure yet. I mean, I guess part of it is that, I mean, we're the furthest things from, from experts when it comes to, to <laughs> fitness and, and, and proper workouts and stuff like that. We tend to just follow along what other people have, have prepared. So um, by no means would we want to try to pretend that we're, <laughs> we're trendsetters. We have any idea that we know what, uh, what we're doing, but to be able to kind of do some some funny ones and and to play around with it a little bit like that has been uh, has been a fun little exercise amidst all of this downtime that we've had. Well, it's interesting, Kyle, because we were just talking in the in the previous segment. We've talked really since we've been doing the show with the the league on pause. Is that you know people do have to find creative ways to be engaging, and we've been talking about how the the players. It's good to see them opening up a bit you know, during this time, and you've got to think that's got to be something that hopefully can continue. I think for the fans and for the league is to see the person of some of these players certainly and you know it's 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 interesting we've seen it more and more over the last few years i mean i think as far as who were the the elder statesmen who were the ones that were kind of the first to to this and you look at a guy like paul bisonette and and certainly pk suban with the presence that that they had online and on social media um, really before most of of the other players in in the league did and now i'm sure it's been talked about a lot 
of the players that are coming into the league now, they have grown up being on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all of that, where it's a lot more customary to kind of share a little more of your, your personality to, to the public and, and the following that, that you have. So um, I think you're seeing a, a lot more players. I'm with you kind of break the mold as they're, they're trying to at least keep themselves entertained and, and keep themselves um, amused kind of through, through this time. And, and with that, you know, for fans across the league, it's been a, a great, you know, nice little distraction and, and source of entertainment here as well. So if that can continue in some capacity here, when things get back to, to normal, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I know like certainly there's, there's situations depending on which market that, that players are in that, you know, you show a little bit of your personality and then things get blown out of proportion and then players quickly decide that, well, what's the point of me doing that if I'm just going to get ripped for it in the end. But um, I think if, if we kind of learn to have the, the understanding that, that stuff like that is, is all really in, in good fun and, and in good taste, then, then I mean, why not? I think we can only be a, a bigger benefit for, for the league and, and the players growing their, their platform and, and their brand and, and for the fans. It's just such a, you know, such a great tool for, for them to, to connect and, and to have a better understanding of what uh, their favorite players are like uh, away from the rink and, and away from the ice surface. Kyle, how important is that going to be when we get on the other side of this? And, um, you know, we know that most likely fans won't be in the stands, at least if they do some sort of a playoff scenario. We're not even sure what kind of media would be there. So for for players to kind of keep engaging themselves, to keep fans engaged and show those different sides of the personalities and maybe try and find a way for the league, especially if there's no ticket gate, to be able to put the players out there and, I don't know, find ways to monetize on that in some capacity just to kind of help the league and the players and the fans and everybody all together try and find a way, uh, maybe a new normal on the other side of this. Right. I mean, it's just going to be a really great i don't know if you call it an exercise but this is all unprecedented of course so there's there's really no blueprint to kind of look at well when things get back to normal this is what's going to to have to happen so um certainly there's you know been plenty of talk already and and you know most people are well aware of the amount of revenue that's been lost to, to this point and even if you get a point um where i mean it's tough to envision right now but if the scenario does arise where they're able to complete uh, the season with some sort of of reformatted playoffs here some point in the summertime and in front of you know empty seats um certainly you get some sort of the revenue back when it comes to advertising and um tv rights uh in a national capacity but there's a lot of all the gate revenue you're not going to get so how are you trying to try to make up for that too i think it's going to be an interesting interesting adventure i guess from the league and players perspective because of course they're they're chained to the the hip on on this one with regards to the the 50 50 revenue spread every dollar in you know matters just as much i think to the players as it does to the the league and, and ownership here moving forward so um i would imagine it would be something where yeah i think that would be of of upteen importance of have having players on board to to do more things like that and, and i don't know what kind of revenue streams i guess at this point you can you can create from being a little more out there in terms of showing off your your persona and, and your personality in a, in a public way with regards to the, the social media platforms that are out there now. But um, I think the one thing that we have learned through this, I mean, through Zoom calls, through Instagram lives, through all the stuff that, that have been you know on our, our fingertips here for a little while now is really, for the most part, how easy all of that is to, to access and to use. So um, I would imagine, you know, going forward for the marketing departments or across the NHL and across all 31 teams, you know, how do we figure out how to find a way to, to get the most out of it and perhaps bring in a little bit of revenue here moving forward, I think will be a, a major driving force going 
forward once things start to get back to normal a little bit uh, as teams and, and the league will look for every little way possible to kind of recuperate some some dollars that have already uh, been lost in, in a big way with the pause that, that's gone on to this point. Kyle Bukaskis from Sportsnet joins us here on Power Lunch. Kyle, what do you think or how do you think the league looks when play does resume? Ah, man, I... It's your guess is as good as mine. Like I, I, I would love to be. I love to try to be optimistic and, and think. You know, there's there's got to be a way for them to to finish this season and to award the Stanley Cup in some way. And whether it's at neutral zone sites and playing in front of no fans and um, you know expanding the format a little bit to allow more teams to play in the playoffs and maybe instead of best of sevens, it's best of fives initially after a play-in round to start things off. Whatever it may be, I mean, I, I would love to think that, that that is is an option at some point here before too long. But I mean, right now it's just it's difficult. It's difficult to say. I mean, uh, I, they keep talking about you know the the importance of of course you know developing a, a vaccine. And then for myself, I mean, I've just been trying to tune in with with what's been said from the top health officials both up here in in Canada and and south of the border where you guys are. And it seems like. It's, it's really difficult to envision a scenario right now where you're able to, to pack buildings once again with 18 to 20,000 people unless there's a vaccine and how many people on top of that are going to feel very comfortable in putting themselves in those situations if there is any risk at all of perhaps sparking another outbreak and then we're setting ourselves back and going through something similar to, to what we're in right now. I don't think anybody wants to be wants to be a part of that in, in any way. So uh, in the meantime, before you can get to, to that stage, I mean, you, you know, the, the, the leagues obviously want to get back playing in, in some sort of capacity. So you're likely looking, as we talked about, playing in, in empty arenas. I think, you know, whenever it does start back up again, I, I do envision that being the look of things right now where it's a, a, a made-for-TV for event because they're not going to allow people into the, into the arena. I think you would have, obviously whether you could hire locally or what it would be, have a, a local technical tr- crew to kind of almost do a, uh, a pool feed of, of the game and, and set up the cameras in, in the way that they want to do. And then between, you know, whether it's NBC in the States or uh, Rogers up here in Canada or if they're in the regular season and the regional um, broadcast crew is able to pull from it uh, however it plays out, then the question becomes, well, do the play-by-play and color guys, are they able to travel to the arenas? Are they calling it off-tube at a neutral site back in a studio? Um, like I, Those are all questions that I just I have no idea how it's going to look right now. I imagine it's going to be a pretty bare-bones operation with regards to how many people are actually in the building when it starts because I would imagine as soon as they get the opportunity to do that, they're going to go for it because they want to get back playing as, as soon as possible. And then gradually over time, I think, um, hopefully as, as uh, on a more global stage, it gets to a, a situation where you can have more and more people gather in, in one place at, at one given time. Then it'll start to look a little more like normal as it was before the pause happened. Okay, you mentioned the Zoom calls, and we've certainly seen plenty of those here in the past month or so. In a lot of ways, how much are we on the media side sort of reinventing some ways for us to make sure that we engage in the players and kind of bring that stuff out as well? Because, you know, you don't have the opportunity now to sit down at a locker stall with them for a couple minutes and, and chit-chat mm-hmm. and, and kind of know some stuff going in, you know, to, to try and find new and invent ways from a media standpoint to continue to make sure you're able to tell some of these stories. Yeah, it's been a great exercise. You know, I can only speak for for myself and and, and my colleagues and um, employer here up at Sportsnet in in Canada. But you know how 
I know sportsnet.ca has been a, a big driving platform um, for us on, on the digital side for, for a number of years now, but it's been, you know, really the, the one, the one source of, of, of our content right now, of course, is, um, you know, on, on the main networks for the most part has been, you know, reruns of the world series of poker and old hockey games and blue Jay games and Raptor games from, from years past. And, and as far as the, the more current stuff with regards to, you know, FaceTime type interviews or stuff that's done over zoom, Ron McLean has a show now called in conversation that are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday where he has a couple of guests on each show and they delve into a variety of talk topics for about 20 minutes or show so it live streams on on YouTube and then is is posted to the Sportsnet website uh, there to be watched on demand from from that point and I mean who would have envisioned a scenario like that three four months ago but that's just the reality that we're living in so I think for everyone it's been a great exercise to uh, just find different outlets to, to doing things and you know I know a lot of different reporters and um, I've played with it a little bit myself too doing like Instagram live with with players or other people around the league or in the business that you can have kind of a one-on-one -on -one conversation with and people are able to to peer in and and to, to listen into the conversation and perhaps um, be a part of it in the comment section and try to interact a little bit that way I mean there's there's so many different ways that, uh, that you can get in touch with with people now and and it's so easy for others to kind of tune in and and to watch or, or to listen to it as well but um, certainly in this era now where, where the attention span is, is so minuscule, um, I think it's been a, a great exercise for, for all of us with regards to, you know, how do we get the, the most out of, out of our audience in this time where, you know, all the, the, the formal methods and, and mediums of, of getting our, our mes method uh, across for, for us that, that don't typically work, uh, you know, in the, the written word more so in, in the broadcast format where we're not doing, you know, typical news stories or we're not doing live event games. Um, it's been it's been a good challenge for us to find different ways to, to tell stories and still be able to, to hear from different players and, and figures around the league that uh, fans will want to hear from. So it's I, I, I've enjoyed it here so far. I mean, um, it's it's been you know it takes time a little bit to get to a position where you're a little more comfortable with with your new surroundings but i think you know looking forward once uh, this is all over with we'll probably then look in the rearview mirror and suggest you know this was maybe a good thing to kind of go through for those in, in our industry because you know we're learning new ways of, of telling stories that we otherwise would have been would not have been forced to do it's a big deal Kyle Bukaskis joins us here on the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. You know, it's interesting. We're all kind of guessing in terms of what the league could do, will do, when play resumes, Kyle. But it is interesting what the playoffs will look like because no fans in the stands means that's got to be pretty difficult for players to get that extra motivation at a time when they probably need it the most. I know they're paid professionals, but, boy, not having somebody in the audience watching you play is going to feel very different, won't it? Sure will. I mean, the whole thing, right? Like, you know, you're if you're playing in a in a neutral site, I mean, you're not really traveling as much. You're not in your home facility. Like, you're staying in a hotel or whatever it may be for the the duration of the the time that you're there. I mean, none of it'll feel normal. But if you want to get back to to playing games, it sounds like that's gonna be the way it'll it'll have to be at least in in the beginning right like there's you can go all the way down the line and find all these examples of because of the pandemic and what's going on um on a on a global stage right now um the amount of things that have now been been changed right like i think about the players that 
um, are going to be draft eligible this year. They won't be able to go through the pomp and circumstance of a combine and then the week leading up to the draft and those taken in the first round to be able to have their names called up on the stage and the photo and everything from there. The overagers and junior or college levels that won't get their one last shot at, at winning a playoff series or championship or national title. I mean, and you go on from, from there. And now for players, if they do get a chance to at least keep playing again in the NHL in the playoffs, having to go through a year where you're not – you know, encapsulated by the atmosphere, the noise, everything that comes with the playoff hockey that makes it so great for those that are in person and also watching home and how it translates on your television set. But uh, I think if, if you're to try to take one takeaway from it, if we do get to the point where you're able to play playoff games, but it is in an empty building, at least, you know, for those that are a part of it, however many years later, when they look back on their career, they'll be able to say like, yeah, when um, as terrible as all that was, and then we went through a very, very, difficult and, and tragic time um, as a planet through that pandemic. Um, but then as we started to get things back to normal, playing in a situation like that with no fans, it was something that had never really been done before and hopefully never happens again. It'll be one of those things to be able to say like, yeah, I was, I was a part of that. And it was a unique scenario that otherwise you wouldn't have get an opportunity to do. So if you were to look at it in a more positive way, I mean, that's, that's potentially an opportunity the players would have um, a, a chance to do. It's not ideal by any stretch, but it sounds like if they want to get back to playing again, that's just something they're that they're going to have to deal with, and that everyone will have to deal with at least uh, in the early stages of this. Kyle, uh, Kyle Bukowskis from Sportsnet joins us here on Power Lunch, and Kyle, we've all heard the scenarios on neutral site, uh, the empty arenas. There's so many that are out there. Uh, we've heard it from different sources. When you hear Wayne Gretzky, however, come out and show some optimism, not just for hockey, but for sports in general, does that carry any more weight than maybe normal if we heard it from maybe other sources just because of who Wayne Gretzky is and <laughs> hopefully who he's connected with? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course. I mean, anytime you, you hear anything from, from the great one, when he weighs in on, you know, who the greatest players are in, in the game today or whether he thinks, you know, Alex Ovechkin is going to eventually break his, his goals record or when it comes to the resumption of play, you know, anytime you hear a thought from, from someone with the, the accolades and, and the resume of, of a Wayne Gretzky, then, then certainly that does carry more weight. Uh, absolutely, 100%. So if, if he believes that, that there is a way out of this, then... Um, you know, I, I would like to believe the, the same thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, like him, that, that this is going to, to come to an end sooner rather than later. But right now, it just seems like it's going to be a slow, slow journey back to, to normalcy. And whether you're, you're an NHL player or you're a basketball player or you're somebody that, that works retail, like whatever, whatever it may be, it's going to be a, a slow trek back to, to normalcy. And, and for some, it'll be, you know, it'll never quite be the, the same ever again. And you wonder what things that have changed over the last couple of months that will kind of remain the same moving forward. But I mean, if he's confident that, that there is a way out of this and, and that there is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, then um, I believe that, that that does carry extra weight. And, and so for, for me and, and everyone, I mean, perhaps there's there's some hope there that, that there is a way out. And there is. There, there, we're we're going to get back playing and one day. It just comes down to, to when. And uh, you hope that as, as things move forward here now and everyone buys into the social distancing and everything else that the top health officials have put in place, that uh, hopefully this, this ends sooner rather than later. Kyle Bukaskis joins us here on the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. And I think, Kyle, too, I think we probably all would agree that the league is going to have to find ways to think outside the box in terms of bringing in fans and maybe even new fans because, as we said, the game will be the same, but it might be a bit 
bit different early on, but certainly the economics of people going out and spending their hard-earned money is going to certainly take a hit, and you've got to find ways to keep people interested, and if that means coming up with better deals or more affordable tickets, I'm sure that's something every team has to consider. All those things. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch as, as this all kind of comes back and, and, and gets going again. I mean, certainly if, again, going back to a scenario, if you're playing in, in a building with, with empty fans um, or with no fans, rather an empty building, uh, I think it's, it's a great opportunity then for, you know, uh, from a broadcast production standpoint to then sort of play around with different camera angles they otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to because you don't want to interview or interfere with sight lines of, of certain people sitting in certain areas of, of the stadium. If there's nobody in there, then you have the opportunity to kind of bring a, a look to the game for those that will be watching at home, you know, a, a look and an angle that they otherwise never would have been able to have the opportunity to, to see before. And perhaps that helps generate interest. I mean, there's going to be such a, a starvation for, for live sports again. Um, once this all kind of comes to an end, I don't think it matters much what it's going to be with regards to, to what are the first to, to get back to playing again. Um, so for, for the NHL, I think there's there's an opportunity there to to capitalize in that sense and, and to give the viewers that uh, who will likely all be watching at home on, on TV or streaming on their phones or on the Internet or whatever it may be, um, an opportunity to, to view the game um, in, in a lens that, that they haven't seen before this so i think that'll be a challenge and, and an opportunity for for the league to do here moving forward because uh you're right i mean if you, if you come back just kind of status quo then then i, I don't know if you're going to get the same kind of response or, or or bounce back that i think that you're you're looking for you have to be be innovative certainly in this time and find different ways to to grow your audience and i, I don't doubt for a second that the league is looking at every opportunity possible to do that once they have the green light again Kyle, we've been talking a lot about scenarios of coming back to play and what all that might look like, um, which is I, I think that's the first one we have to get back to. But at some point, the NHL is going to hold a draft. We know the NFL mm -hmm. is holding their draft this coming week virtually, which will be interesting to kind of see how that's going to play out. But you're based there in Ottawa. Ottawa is going to be a big player in this draft because of the two lottery picks they're going to end up with. What, what can you envision a draft looking like at the NHL? I guess we came close in 05 with, with the lockout year and kind of how that took place. Technology is a lot different now than it was uh, 15 years ago. But uh, what can you envision a potential draft being like, especially for a team like Ottawa, who is going to be so involved in the higher end of this draft? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Pierre Dorian last week when he spoke to the, the local media here in, in the nation's capital that, you know, he volunteered that uh, that the team has, has submitted three different proposals to the league with regards to possible ways the regular season could be completed, the playoffs could be done, and the format of the, the draft lottery. And, of course, the, the first two aren't of much importance to them because they were not going to be a, a playoff team this year, but certainly they want to have a hand in the conversation with how the, the draft lottery format is, is done if they do in fact change it in any way with regards to how many teams are eligible and how that affects the weight a percentage of, of teams that, that have an opportunity at the, the first overall pick and, and likely Alexi Lafremiere out of out of Quebec. So 
Um, it's it's, it's going to be a fascinating one to watch. I mean, Bill Daly said, kind of used the line, the, the back to the, the future format when it used to be more of a, a teleconference type thing where, where teams would phone in with their, their picks. I could see that being done where there's there's a live stream to access and, and whether you have a representative from NBC Sports and someone else from, from Sportsnet kind of co-host the thing and, and you've got a member of the league there as well. Um, to kind of quarterback everything and and one by one teams are are submitting their their picks by by phone or calling in or maybe it's a, a zoom chat type thing where um, they come up on on video and announce who they're they're selecting I think you know every option is, is on the table in that regard but I I do expect it you know to be done remotely in one way shape or form but um, and certainly for, for Ottawa here, this is this is a big one for them, as you mentioned. I mean, as as the season came to a pause, they uh, between their pick and and San Jose's pick, they had the second and third best odds at at the first overall pick behind the Detroit, and then they had another have another first round pick from the New York Islanders here this this year as well. Assuming that that doesn't somehow become one of the the top three picks uh, in in this draft too, with way of the with way of the draft lottery. So um, they're a team that, that's glued and, and, and wants to be part of the discussion with regards to how the, the format is, is going to be done. And I know for them um, in the meantime, I mean, they're, they're held, they're holding, you know, zoom meetings with, with different draft eligible players, the type of meetings that they would do at the combine that they're not getting a, a chance to, and just pouring over video as much as they can here now to try to just refine their, their feelings and then make their cases for, for certain players with uh, who they may have a, a potential at taking with the, with the, when the time eventually does come but um, it's going to be another interesting wrinkle to, to all of this and, and how the draft is done and certainly there's a lot of interested eyes here in, in the nation's capital because this is likely one of the, the biggest steps in, in their rebuild here um, when it comes to whenever the draft is ultimately held here in 2020. And Kyle, last for me is just you know the expectations for this Tampa Bay Lightning team. It'd be a shame if they can't get uh, another run uh, when it comes to trying to get that Stanley Cup with this core group of players, understanding they're going to have some tough decisions to make in the offseason, whenever that may be. But the expectations, I've got to think, for you are, are still relatively high for a team who did some pretty decent moves at the trade deadline, even though it cost them some draft picks, that they were in it to win it now. And uh, you'd like to see them, at least for their sake, I think, uh, make that journey. Exactly. I mean, I, I thought back to that... Uh... That game was a, what is it the was it late February that Saturday game Tampa and Boston and Boston wouldn't that be great mm-hmm. for for seven games in in the spring and they were likely on a on a collision course in in the second round of the playoffs here this year I mean you know Boston feeling every bit like the team that that had the right to to defend their the the Eastern Conference title that that they had won last year and going to the cup final and they thought they were every bit as good a team to, to go and get back and, and finish the job and you had a Tampa Bay team that, that clearly wasn't afraid of, of anybody that potentially would be standing in their way with, with regards to, to their journey after a very quick exit uh, a year ago now. Um, I, I think and, and with regardless of whatever happens this year, um, I think you still got you know a lot of players that are, are still in the prime down down there and in Florida that that have an opportunity to, to do some some special things there. I mean, I I my appreciation and, and respect for I know we've talked about this, Greg, for someone like Braden Point a couple of years ago in, in that series against Boston. I mean, completely shot through the roof, and he's only continued to get get better from that point. And and you can go down the list from there. I mean, this is a team that, as we've talked about, is is built to win. Was you know you got a goaltender that was uh, the defending uh, Vesna Trophy winner, and and was in the mix to to be a finalist again here. 
this year. I mean, they, they've got all the pieces that suggest that they're a team that's not going to be going away anytime soon. It was just looking for that opportunity to, to right the wrong of, of last year and being swept in, in the first round. And it seemed like they were a team that was, was building towards doing something pretty special here in, in the Eastern Conference, right? I mean, they got off to that slow start, but no one seemed to panic and they seemed to hit their stride at the, at the right time. So between them, between Boston, um, St. Louis, the defending champions over on, on the other side, and with the way a team like perhaps Vegas was coming on in the West, I mean, you had some teams there that, that legitimately had a, had a threat to, to win it all and were considered legitimate contenders. And, and you wonder if they'll get a chance to, to try to finish the job. And that comes back to you know, the conversation at the beginning of all this. But Tampa was one of those teams that, that were right in the mix from, from my standpoint, I think a lot of people's standpoint this year. And um, they're a team, though, that even if they don't get a chance to, to do it here in, in 2020, I don't think their, their window is, is going to close anytime soon from my eyes. Kyle, thank you so much for your time, man. Before we let you go, if people want to follow you on your social media feeds, where's the best way they can get a hold of you? Uh, Twitter at SN Kyle Bukoskis. Uh, I don't tweet often, but when I do, I try to make it somewhat entertaining or informative. So if you can stick around for that, it's much appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, thank you so much, man. Be safe. Uh, Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll catch up down the road, hopefully sooner rather than later. All right, fellas. Stay safe. Always a pleasure being on with you. All right, thanks. Kyle Bukoskis there from Sportsnet, uh, based in Ottawa, does a lot of coverage of the Senators. And, uh, yeah, they're going to be a big player in the draft. And um, we know at some point there's going to be a draft. I'm just I'm curious as to how all that's going to kind of come together. And I'm curious to see how the NFL does it this week, Greg, and how they're going to put all this. Because it's, you know, the NFL draft has now become a three-day event, right? Like they've spread it out. It's not just one or two days. They've spread it out to three days in prime time challenges they have it's not going to be held in vegas like they had envisioned in this big splash that they were going to have um and the nhl does they don't necessarily have a big splash but it's it's a two-day event in a city yeah it was supposed to be in montreal this year uh whatever the draft is no matter what's going to happen with the draft this year it's not going to be that style i'm curious to see how the nhl pulls that off whenever they get to it one thing is you think people would be craving to watch something yeah and however they pull it off I've got to think you're going to have some eyeballs uh, involved with this more so than you typically would. And again, I think it's a way for the league logistically find out how you're going to do it, but be creative. You know, maybe, um, you know, incorporate older players, new players, do something that, you know, makes you think watching it, wow, that's that's pretty cool and uh, makes you want to stay for the next pick and the next pick and you know, people are starved right now Eve, for something that's relevant, that's new, and let's see if, if they deliver. Yeah, somehow I think the NFL draft ratings this weekend are going to be rather high. Through the roof. Higher than they've, they've been in previous years, and we already yeah. know that it does bring in a large number of people watching it, um, but probably more so this year for uh, many, many reasons. All right, let's take a quick break here. Uh, you are listening to Power Lunch on Lady Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson. He is Greg Lanelli. We'll be back on the other side. Stick around. The hockey world might be on pause, but Eric Erlinson and Greg Lanelli aren't. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I'm Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Lanelli as we get you through another week of a pause in the NHL schedule and this self-isolation and quarantine that we're all going through. And if you're able to, have you checked out the Block Party? 
The block party with Seth Kushner. This week, his guest is Zach Bogosian, Lightning defenseman acquired from the Buffalo Sabres as a free agent this year. Well, they want to talk about why he wanted to play for Tampa Bay, the most overrated stat in hockey, and crying during Disney movies, whose skill set has been uh, he has been most impressed with since he joined the Lightning, and if he would pick himself over Steven Stamkos if he was a GM in the 2008 draft, and of course his Netflix recommendations during the pause. Download the podcast Wednesday anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and more. Just search for Block Party with Seth Kushner and hit subscribe. And Greg, we had a question coming from Bob last week that we were not able to get to. We've had such great guests on the show the past uh, week or so, uh, especially. Uh, but he had concerns about the salary cap, and we know there's a lot of unanswered questions out there. We mentioned earlier in the show about the difference between canceling this season and finding a way to play the playoffs even without fans in the stands and the financial right. impact that one of those two could make. And whatever they do is going to have an impact on the salary cap. And that's a big issue especially when I think the number somewhere around 60% of the league is within $3 million of the cap. Uh, so there's not a lot of wiggle room. If the cap drops, that's a significant impact on so many teams, so many players in particular, because everything is 50-50 split. And I think Pierre McGuire was on a Pittsburgh radio station recently and talked about the, the potential of the cap dropping 35%, which seems out of out of this world for me, but of course it's unprecedented times. Um, but th that's a huge, huge question that nobody really has an answer for uh, moving forward because, as we've mentioned, the revenue streams just aren't going to be the same, at least to start. So how yeah. do they maintain some sort of a, of a salary cap when everything in the CBA is a 50-50 split? Yeah, you wonder if they make special exemptions for teams that are going to be over if that number comes down big time at 35%. I mean, look, we know the Lightning are going to have to make some moves, but I think also, too, you have to be realistic if you're the league. If the Lightning going into this summary thought that, all right, you know, maybe we have to trade one or maybe two players and still sign our restricted free agents to be cap compliant, but now you're telling them because of this decrease in revenue that they're going to have to maybe get rid of three or four players to be cap compliant, I think the league is going to have to give these teams some wiggle room and maybe it's something that you can phase in, uh, not everything cap compliant this year, but uh, within a, a year or two. Again, I, I'm not a uh, economist from that standpoint, but we've seen in everyday life, there have been companies out there who have extended a helping hand to say, listen, um, if you're going to purchase a car, you know, there's not going to be uh, this, this or this for you. If, um, you know, you're not driving your car, maybe your insurance company is refunding money back. I mean, if... You have to find ways to help these teams because through no fault of their own, they've been put in a situation right now where they've got to make drastic changes. And I just don't think you can have that. I don't think it's realistic to expect them to be cap compliance when you're talking about that huge of a reduction salary cap wise and where the revenue is coming from. Yeah, I think a couple of the biggest things we've heard in regards to that, a couple of places have been reporting this, that you know the cap would at, at worst right now stay flat and allow teams to operate under that situation. We had just gotten projections, geez, late February, early March. I think the Board of Governors meeting was the first part of March, uh, just before all this um, hit us. 
that the cap was going to go up by about three to five million dollars, which would have been a huge deal for a team like Tampa Bay, who has these uh, issues that they're going to have to deal, these cap issues they're going to have to solve over the summer, and particularly uh, regarding Mikhail Sergachev and Anthony Sorelli and their restricted free agent status. Uh, but if the cap stays flat, at least that gives you something to work with. Uh, I think the big difference from then is going to be how do you decide escrow, which means how much do you retain from the player's paycheck and then figure out the revenue split after that, depending on what uh, hockey-related revenue is out there. I did see one creative idea that you count the expansion fee for Seattle. And again, Seattle's not coming in next year. It'll be the, the year after that. So there's not even an expansion draft until next summer before we get the still-to-be-named Seattle franchise. Take that, I believe, a $650 million franchise fee and count that towards hockey-related revenue so the players get some sort of split for that because that's not normally the case. Usually that money would just be split amongst the owners at that time. Uh, so that's one way to kind of help the cap stay up and keep the re the revenue up a little bit as well. So there are some creative ideas out there in terms of trying to deal with this, but this is going to be, we're not talking about it a lot right now. It's not something that's discussed because there's bigger issues at play with, um, you know, certainly the virus is still out there and, you know, find a way just to get back to play and then kind of let things fall in line after that. But uh, as soon as, that, this will probably be one of the first things that comes up as soon as we get the games back on our television screens is what is the impact next year and potentially the year after that when it comes to revenues because it was a growing business. The TV contract in the U.S. is coming up for uh, renewal, you know, and then there's a big thought that that's going to be a big increase. How much does that have an effect on it? So there's a lot of business implications that are going to come out of this, uh, and the salary cap is going to be a big part of it. Well, and also, too, how does this impact restricted free agents? Are they able to get what they want in some way if the salary cap either either stays neutral or decreases in some way? I don't know. Are you more willing to sign a long-term deal or bet on yourself in hopes that you know the salary cap eventually will bounce back? And then if you take a little less now for a little less term, it's going to pay off for you in a big way in three or four years. I think those are interesting questions that I'm sure agents now are looking at, probably talking to some of their players at some point and saying, look, this is maybe what's on the table. As soon as we find out what that number could be, it may change what they're asking for and maybe the term. One, how about the restricted or the unrestricted free agent class? You yeah. Know, I, I, the name Alex Petrangelo has been tossed around quite a bit because he's up for a new contract, and we've seen actually the Blues have been one of the more busier teams during this pause, and a couple of players that they've re-signed, re including Marco Scandella, um, who they acquired from Montreal at the trade deadline, they signed him to an extension. So, you know, where is that going to leave Alex Petrangelo in that picture? And now, like, these guys, and again, no no fault of anybody's, but these players were set up to hit that one contract in their career, that big money contract in their career, that they might not have that opportunity now. So what what's that going to mean for a guy like Petrangelo, who's been a captain of the Blues, led them to a Stanley Cup victory last year, uh, is still among one of the top defensemen uh, in this league uh, in, in what he can do. So, you know, what the, what's the impact going to have on the unrestricted free agent class as well? I think that's the bigger issue because the restricted free agents, there are the parameters that they still have to work around. The unrestricted guys, obviously, 
by nature of the name, are free to sign whatever they want with whoever they can get the contract from. And that's just not going to be there, certainly not this summer, let alone even looking towards next summer. Yeah, and, you know, the answer might be that's life. You're going to have to deal with it. It's not fair and because you, you can't go back and make revenues increase if, you, if you're losing it because you haven't been playing. I mean, there's just nothing you can do to make that money back up. I mean, we're talking about the teams coming back and playing just to recoup maybe half of what they possibly would lose uh, in a season like this. So it could just be tough, lucky, you know, you've made some money. Hopefully you've been good with it. And, you know, this time around, you're not going to get as much as you'd hope for. Yep. Strange days indeed, as we're now, uh, what are we up? About six weeks now into this, uh, this situation, this pause uh, that we're dealing with. And, um, Lots of unanswered questions still on the other side of yeah. it, but of course we're all just waiting for the clearance to kind of get back to some sort of semblance of normalcy, normalcy in our everyday lives. Uh, that's going to wrap up stuff for us today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Steve Erznick for keeping us on the air, especially with the weather that's floating around outside. I could hear the, the booming in the background uh, of uh, Greg's house. I've got some in the back of my house, so to be able to keep us on the air. Uh, job well done, Steve. Greg, as always, it's a great conversation. I want to thank Kyle Bukowskis from Sportsnet for joining us as well. We're still waiting confirmation, but we're scheduled to have Aaron Andrews from Fox Sports on tomorrow. Of course, a sideline reporter for the NFL Games, a Tampa native, went to Bloomingdale High School and was the sideline reporter for the Lightning uh, my first year on the beat back in 0102. So uh, we're hoping to get Aaron on the show tomorrow. And um, we will be back at noon tomorrow. So thanks, everybody, as always, for listening. We'll be back at noon tomorrow. Check us out then.